WWDC is coming, and that means a new version of iOS will soon be revealed. What do we hope to see in the next version of the iPhone operating system? It's our wish list for iOS 16, coming up on the Macworld Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyola, here with Jason Cross. Good morning. And Michael Simon. Hello, sir. Uh, Before we talk about iOS 16, we're going to cover an Apple announcement that was made. The company uh, released iMovie 3 for iPhone and iPad. Uh, It has a couple of features that are designed to make it really easy to put together a video. The uh, first feature is called Magic Movie. And the idea of this feature is to kind of make, I guess, an instant movie out of the video snapshots that people take nowadays. So the advent of, like, phones, people now take a lot of the short clip videos instead of just taking a, a picture. You kind of accumulate them, but you don't know really what to do with them. Do you just keep them? Should you make a bigger video of them? But if you want to make a, a longer video, you kind of have to put some work into it. Maybe a lot of people are kind of hesitant to do that because they're not experienced in video editing. So Apple came up with this magic movie feature that uh, puts together these clips very quickly and it's a different ui than what you might be familiar with in imovie for iphone and ipad it's kind of made to quickly put together these clips Um, then you can add music and add titles and then you can export the videos for sharing Uh, it's supposed to be really quick it seems like it's related in some mystical way to the those like memories that they feed to your phone every now and again well, they'll put it to music and they'll throw a bunch of pictures together and it'll collect, you know, like people into into like, a, you know, like here's a bunch yeah, of things. Or, or an event like you all, you were in a certain place, right. you yeah. know, and it's going to grab everything from that place you went to or something. It seems like that only you get to pick the, the trigger, right? right? You get to right. decide what it is and it's going to build an automatic movie out of. And then I think you get, of course, you get some ability to change it. Like the memories, you get what you get with uh, this iMovie thing, you're going to see the things it picked and say, oh, I don't want that one, and, you know, whatever. You can make adjustments to it. Uh, you can adjust to clips. You can delete clips, things like that. Yeah. Uh, the, the other feature they came out with is called Storyboards. And these are sort of like templates for videos. Uh, if people are familiar with kind of publishing or even like, writing in Word or something like that. Sometimes you get these document templates, like, say, for a resume or something like that. This is kind of a same idea, but they're video templates. And, the, again, the idea is to help people who are might be hesitant about editing a video, because it does seem like an overwhelming, daunting task. Like you don't know where to begin. Yep. Right. Yeah. This is a way to say, like, I want to make a video of my kid's birthday party, and they have a template that's birthday party, and it's got, like, eight eight slots you fill in like fill in these eight slots right. with v- videos of these things you know yeah and the slots are labeled to give you some guidance you don't have to follow the labels but it's you know one thing that uh, video editors often do is something called storyboarding it's to give them an idea of how to uh pro- progress a story and so this sort of a way, it's, this guy, it's called storyboard. So for instance, like the first clip, it'll say this should be an introduction. 
And then the next clip will say this should be a close-up of a kid or whatever, you know, whatever the template is. And they're all suggestions, and they also include tips on what you should do to uh, get a good video shot. Uh, you can follow the suggestions if you want. You don't have to. But again, it is just a way to get people to overcome this kind of uh, daunting task of video editing. Yeah, it's a iMovie is a funny thing where like when it came out, what, 30 years ago or something, 25 years ago, <laughs> like it was like, wow, this is amazing because at the time we didn't have these devices. We didn't have these a disability and iMovie made it real simple to take images or, or video from a camera, import it to your Mac, make it into a movie when at the time when that stuff was difficult. Now that we have our iPhone, it's that much easier to do these things. And iMovie is kind of neglected in the sense that like this could be like the premier way to make a movie on your iPhone. Like, you know, when, when a new iPhone comes out, they don't even talk about the fact that there's this pretty incredible free editing software that you can take these clips and these images and, and make a real kind of, well, you know, high quality film on your phone in like what, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, if you, if you don't have the time. So you know, every now and again, these features come out and they're great, but it's always like, well, why hasn't this been around for the last 15 years? It seems like it's caught in kind of a, a weird middle ground now where um, there's Final Cut. Like if you are a video editor and know what you're doing, you've got your Final Cut, you've got your Premiere, and you're going to uh, handle everything by yourself. Right. Which most people you're, don't do. Which most people don't do because they're not video editors. And then everybody else, they're not going to bother. They're just going to literally take a clip and put it on TikTok or Instagram or something, right? Like the the advent of these like short video social media things has left this hole where it's like, well, you're either a video editor or you're just going to take your 15 seconds and put it on TikTok and hope to get some likes. And, and there's not... There's almost not room for somebody to go like, no, I want to spend 10 minutes making an edited video <laughs> that, that I put online. They're doing all this stuff now with iMovie to make it easier to get people on board, but I don't know how they're going to tackle that cultural thing of like, well, yeah, you should edit a video, like put together a video, <laughs> like edit something. They'll just like grab your 20 seconds and throw it on Instagram. So yeah, it's it's a weird it's in a weird place, and then of course there's your favorite clips, which is the new even weirder place. Like, like people Roman using loves separate his clips. Everybody, yeah. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like, clips is supposed to be even more uh, kind of entry level than iMovie. Well, it's clips is kind of like what Jason was talking about, like real quick get it taken yeah it's 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 made for like put yeah to do something neat to make a sharing social media thing but nobody's going to go out of the app to do that like everyone just just does like if you're going to share it on tiktok you just make the video on tiktok or just share a video you have you don't make go into another app first unless you're a professional influencer and then you go through all of these hoops to take a professionally edited video and make it look amateur (laughs) <laughs> like Todd, disguise the fact that you have a team of five different people like helping you make these videos <laughs> like, the social aspect has kind of has influenced this video production a lot you know people are don't want to edit clips and then people who want to be youtubers 
they're skipping iMovie and going to the bigger packages because they want to do more with their editing. Yeah. They want to get paid and they want to be a pro, <laughs> you know. The funny thing is like the, the quality you get out of an iMovie thing and, you know, you don't have to – once you do these like beginner uh, storyboards and stuff like that, you can get the full nonlinear editing thing. It's it's enough for most people. For sure. Like really is for, for like YouTubers and stuff. When you get to the point where you start having staff – <laughs> then then you need to be on Premiere or Final Cut or something. You'd be surprised how good of a an edit you can make in iMovie. Which is what it's it's so weird that Apple hasn't like touted that ability of iMovie to do this for you know since the, since like what the iPhone like five or six. That was when like it, the camera became really good, social networking really started to take off, and Apple has this this software, like you say, it's you know, you can kind of mimic what you can do in those higher end apps with uh, right on your phone and Apple doesn't really promote it. Yeah. It, it's, it's, unless you want to start doing things like color grading, really right. uh, carefully adjusting your sort of crop and stuff and, and fancy your titles and motion tracking, like that kind of stuff. If you just want titles, music, good edits, good transitions and stuff like that, you're, you're, there with iMovie. It's one of those things that you wonder if Steve Jobs was still alive, if it wouldn't be a bigger focus, because this was very much his thing, that whole iLife suite, taking things, drag and drop simplicity, of particularly with, with apps, iPhoto, iMovie, iDVD, that was all um, his... Well, his, sure, his but the world tenure. has changed and who yes. knows where he would be on that stuff now, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's definitely different, but I mean, video is bigger than it's ever been before. I mean, my son would watch videos 24 hours a day if I let him on YouTube. Yeah, but making it, not necessarily. And of course, this is why right. Apple is so invested in this, because that's what they view their products as for. Like their products are great for that. Yes. The more they can make you into a video editor and make that something like your hobby, even if that's not your job, then the more that you have an excuse to buy a Mac or an iPhone mm -hmm. or something like that. Even if you're not using iMovie, their products, they always push their products as being for like creative professionals, right. writers and video editors and audio editors and so on. Um, I, I'm always a little disappointed by the fact that like iMovie gets all this stuff on iPhone and iPad and the Mac iMovie yeah, where really I would weird. much rather work on a Mac if I was editing video like the big screen and the big timeline and stuff like that. And it doesn't get any of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the thinking, I guess, is that you do it all on your phone and then export it or import it. or Yeah, you could export Mac. it, but it's not going to, it's going to show up in iMovie on your Mac as like a the timeline, the regular nonlinear timeline and stuff right. like that. You're not going to, photos on my Mac syncs all my stuff from my phone. I would much rather just dra start dragging and dropping and doing stuff like that on my Mac. And it doesn't get that. And I would just feel like, well, you've been talking about Catalyst forever. Like, why isn't iMovie on the Mac a Catalyst app? Why isn't it a sort of more grown-up version of the iPad iMovie app? When I was editing this story this morning, I I, I, I messaged Roman. And I said, hey, why isn't iMovie 3? Isn't it iMovie 10? Because that's what the Mac is. But it's it's not even the same numbering. Yeah. It's, yeah, been, it's been version 10 since like 2012 or something. Like, it hasn't even gotten to the point where it's version <laughs> 11. It's just, it's very strange that, and it, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's every now and then it gets an update and the update is just to sort of support new video well, that, like from literally the iPhone. Today, it says today's update, import magic movie and storyboard project created with iMovie for iOS version three into <laughs> yeah. the timeline. That's the update. 
And the one last year was import cinematic mode videos on the iPhone yep. 13. Like it's, it's all it is. That's all it is. It's not yeah. any of the sort of features or UI or any of that <laughs> right. stuff. So just, I feel like this is a candidate for, for a catalyst sure. app. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's just one of those weird things that Apple just like, you, they do so many things that are, that are right and and smart. And it's like, it's just like, like, well, like, why not? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> one of those things of? like, uh, why, why is there no weather app on iPad <laughs> or calculator? <laughs> calculator. Or calculator. Yeah. I would, yeah, they made it so that if I drag my finger up from the corner, I get a quick note. Right. If I dragged my finger up from the, a different corner, could I get a calculator? Like a little floating calculator? Yeah, right, right. I would use that more than the quick note. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And it's yeah. a calculator. This is not, this doesn't require like R&D. <laughs> like, we should do a, we should do a story of why aren't these apps on these other devices? Like clock, there's no clock on the Mac. Like it's just so weird. Yeah. The clock thing is weird because I think that has to do with things like, things like timers and all that other stuff, series involved and everything. Right. And I, I, I feel like now that they have Macs with hands-free series support and stuff like that, now is the time to actually... Now is the time. That Do was that. like five years ago. <laughs> well, they didn't have Macs with with hands free Siri support or anything like that. So it's like you you would get, yeah, you could have a clock, but it would just be a clock. They had World right, Clock, right, and right, that's right. and but that's all it would be. You wouldn't have like stopwatch timers. Yeah, there's a, alarms. There's a widget. There's a widget and stuff, but yeah. Well, and it's alarms, right? Uh, yeah. Your your and your Mac's not necessarily on all the time. So, but it could wake from sleep mode. It could. Now, now that they have Apple Silicon, I feel like. They can do the, all the clock stuff. That'll be the big uh, Mac OS 13 <laughs> feature. <laughs> iMovie 3 is free in the App Store. You have to run iOS or iPadOS 15.2 or later in order to run iMovie 3. As you mentioned, you can export the Magic Movie and Storyboards projects to open on your Mac, but when you open them on your Mac, it's in traditional timeline mode. You won't get the special UI right. because it's not implemented in the Mac software. WWDC is coming the first week of June, and as we often do before the event, we think about what we'd like to see in the upcoming operating systems. Today we're talking about our wish list for iOS 16. Uh, we'll cover iPadOS and macOS in future shows. Today, we're going to focus on the iPhone operating system. Uh, a few days ago, Jason posted an iOS 16 wish list. So it seems appropriate that Jason start us off. Uh, is there a feature in particular that you're hoping Apple will reveal in June? Well, the a more recent rumor said that they are, from Mark Gurman, said that there will be a significant um, update to how notifications are handled. And then 9to5Mac followed through with some stuff they found in the latest beta of iOS 15.5 that said like about focus modes that don't exist. So one of the things they'll do is expand focus modes. And I feel like, boy, I sure hope that's not it. Because <laughs> focus modes are, are neat, but they require user setup and nobody does that. So they, for like 99% of iPhone users, it doesn't really get notifications under control except maybe when you're driving. I wrote the, the list, so I have a bunch, but the thing that I think I want more than anything else is for Apple to take a different stance on notifications than they have in the past. 
Notifications are opt out right now. You get all the notifications, they show a banner, they make a noise, they do everything, and then you have to go tell it what you don't want. I want them to reverse that. I want to opt in. I want every notification to be off, silent, and not visible, and then apps to have to ask you, do you want a notification? And then it would turn on. And and at that point of asking you, it would say, like, yeah, yes, or silent, or or no, right? You get to pick. And then you can just say there's a certain class of notifications that um, apps could use for specific notifications that are basically emergency notifications, your alarms and phone ringing and text messages, things that you that it wants to push through without you having to explicitly opt in. And that would have to be part of the app approval process would have to be making sure that they don't abuse that. I don't know that that's ever necessarily going to happen, but like right now, notifications are so abused, right? They're, they're like, they just, your attention is the economy and notifications get your attention. Everything notifies you. And it's kind of like that. What's the movie? The Incredibles, right? When everything's important, nothing's important, right? Right. It's like it's so you just don't get. I feel get like so that's what um the the notification. Uh, what is it? The the summary. Yeah, that was kind of Apple's answer to that. Like, all right, listen, we know yep. you're getting bombarded, so we just got to collect them all and then give them all to you in like you know two a couple hours a a time frame, and you can just get rid of all of them or 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 read them all at once, whatever you want to do. But that doesn't solve the problem. That just kicks the can down the road for a few hours. And it's again, opt-in and you have to decide, well, but I don't want, when I get a text, I don't yeah. want it to go in my yeah. notification summary. So you you have to go in and figure, well, which things yeah, do I yeah. not it want to be like in there? It gives you like a couple of options, but you're right. If there are apps that you care about, yeah, like even like, I don't know, Target or something that you want to know when something's coming or Amazon <laughs> when a delivery is coming, like those will be included unless you specifically go in there. So yeah, you're right. It's a pain and you do have to really kind of get granular with the yeah. toggles. And the, the main issue is that nobody uses anything but defaults anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Not just on your iPhone. It's like a computing thing. Everybody just uses the defaults and yeah. it rec- every tool... Apple gives you to get notifications under control is a tool that somebody has to go use. It's not Mm -hmm. the default. So the default needs to be much more aggressive about not pushing you notifications. I don't know if this is what's going on with iOS. We have no idea what's going on with iOS 16 besides probably more with focus modes, but like that may not be all, but yeah, that should be the next front in Apple's war. (laughs) Like, you know, privacy, and now it should be just like make the, the attention economy is out of control. The um, so on Android, I think it was Android 12, they kind of revamped the way notifications are. And, and Google has a thing called notification channels, so each app has different levels of notifications that they can send you based on priority. So, for example, Amazon would have a delivery notification, they would have a sale notification, they would have a I don't know, a, a, a cart notification, something like that. Right. So you can get real specific with, okay, I want these to appear and alert me, but these you can either not deliver or deliver silently, whatever like that. Mm-hmm. That would be a, a, a start if Apple were to do something like that, where it's not an all or nothing situation. Yeah, classifications are good, but then like, somebody's got to go in there and say, right. well, which right. classification? It, it requires so the def- work. The defaults still have to be something where if I just pick up an iPhone and set it up, 
and I don't do nothing, it needs to make non-important notifications not bother me and, and not show up. And then important notifications do show up. And I, and that unraveling that knot is something I want Apple to try and tackle. I feel like they, they're like, well, notifications are out of control. People don't have any more tool, don't have the tools to get them under control. And then they add another tool. And it's like, well, that's not the problem. The problem is that we need more tools. The problem yeah. is we need to re- not to rely on tools. So that's my top one. Yeah. Just in a, in a broad sense, I'm going to say uh, customization. So we got the app library, which was awesome. Like that is something I wanted forever. Uh, yeah, I don't like Android. the layout, but yeah, um, right. There's yeah. issues. There's are issues with it. But the idea, but you that can at I least can, take an app off not, your home screen, right? Right. I can have a bunch of apps on my phone that I don't have to look at every day. Like that's what Android has had forever, and I've written I don't know how many articles about that. I wanted something similar to come to the iPhone, and, and it's 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 very good. But you're still beholden to the app grid, and that's my bigger issue. Is that the customization stops short of removing. So you can take the things off and, and put them in, in a, mm-hmm. a, a library where you can access and there's easy to access. But I want to be able to move widgets around. I want to be able to move icons around on my home screen, even change icons. Because, you know, all that stuff that like you, you can, there are some developers that offer different icons depending on the time of day. And so there are ways, there are things built into iOS that Apple doesn't necessarily give us on the, on the, the, the surface to change. Mm-hmm. And like themes would be cool, but that would probably be abused. So they're not going to do that because that would get, that would get crazy. But what I really want is the ability, and it could be a toggle if Apple wants it, to move widgets around where I want them, and not have them just stuck to the top. And the iPad specifically, like that, just drives me nuts. Yeah, how they're all pinned to the top of it's, you. Have it's this whole simple, beautiful screen to use. It's as simple as saying stuck. like the grid is fine. Just let me have an empty space. Yeah, that's right. Like. Like literally let me put an app icon right. at any point on the grid or, yes. or a widget. And if that leaves an empty space, you don't flow it up into the upper left corner. Right. Yeah. I've, I've wanted that for years. I don't know Long why time. they won't let me do and, that. And the, like I said, the app library is kind of like the first step to that. Yeah. And widgets as well. Like widgets are good. They're not nearly as good as they could be, particularly again on the iPad. Like there's this whole particular, you know, so using a 12.9 inch gorgeous screen and you're stuck with this very limiting desktop and that's not the issue on the mac obviously but the mm-hmm. mac doesn't have desktop widgets so there's you know there, there's trade-offs and all over the place but if you can kind of create some system that takes the best of both give me a uh, as jason said if you want to stick to the grid cool but let me put things where i want them and add spaces between all that yeah i can imagine they don't want people to just go gridless and have everything not aligned but sure. Yeah, just yeah, just let me have spaces. Let yeah, me, even Android at the bottom that does Whatever. that. They have a grid as well. Like you still have to yeah. adhere to the to the, like it locks to a place, which is fine because it, it would look messy and, and ugly anyway, mm-hmm. particularly with the widgets. But um, that's that's number one customization. Number two, or maybe number one, maybe they, maybe that's number two. <laughs> I want I want an always on display, and I wanted one for a decade. And I, it drives me, Chris. So we, we have OLED now. Like before with the LCDs, I understood, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a battery life thing and it's not as easy. We have all, every, every iPhone has an OLED screen now. It's had, it's, it's had one for all the models. I've had one for two years. Most of them have one for three, four, five years. Yeah. IPhone and we 10 still don't have the ability to have an always on display. When I pick up my phone, when I look over at it at night, it's blank. 
Mm-hmm. I have to tap it to see the time. I have to tap. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yes. I, don't, I don't get it. It's And it's, all these concerns not, about burn-in and battery life and everything. It's, crazy. it's like you guys know that Android phones have had these for yes. years. There's no concern. It's a solved problem. Absolutely. Like, like I, I can if if I'm concerned it's killing my battery life, let me turn it off. I don't care. But it's like or or and causing burden. There, there is a hit on battery life, but Apple does it on the Apple Watch. Sure. With the same 18 hour battery life as the models that don't have it. And so it can is, be done. The hit is so minor. Like it's, it's very minor. It's, it's yeah. incredibly minor if you don't have a lot of the screen lit up. If you only have some areas, it's not going to be lit up maximum brightness. Yeah, we're talking about the, the time, the date, uh, a couple of icons that show you like important, like a, like a message came in or an email came in, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's all we need. Yeah. And they just Maybe, refuse. Yeah, I mean, you could just have a little row of icons and it could do things. They'd be just like complications on your Apple Watch, you know, where you yep. get to pick what complications go there. Yep. Just give us a, four sure. slots and you, I want to put my rings there. I want to put messages there i want to put yeah, the, even the, if it's just apple apps the, i'm okay with that yeah with that with a feature like that that's limited to apple's apps for at first for a year sure i'm okay yeah with that. why they get the the although yeah. everybody all the third-party developers would complain but it's just a framework just like just like complications on the watch they could call them complications i don't care <laughs> but i can i want i want a weather icon my rings yeah. messages and twitter I, whatever I, it doesn't matter and one last customization is the lock screen so not so the always on display and then the lock screen you have a flashlight you have a camera i want to be able to put whatever the hell app i want there i can understand what they want there is something you can use without unlocking your phone sure so i think that there maybe can be a curated list of limited things all right i'm okay with that but um, i'm okay with that like it doesn't just have to be those two things because camera operates in a special way when you use it when you open it from there you can take new pictures but you can't see any of your right it shuts down the gallery yeah which Um, yeah and you know it's useful the the the, i might leave the flashlight like it's useful there but give me the option to put something else there but again just like jason's these those most of these things aren't coming maybe always on display we have heard rumors that uh, rumors that apple is working on it for now a couple of years yeah i can't imagine what the holdup is Go buy a Pixel phone and copy. It's, <laughs> it's going to be exclusive to like the iPhone 14 Pro yeah, or something. which is crazy because it could be on all the ones going back to the iPhone 10. I mean, they're they're all OLED. Yeah, and OLED with just like 10% of your pixels lit up at 50% brightness right. does not eat no. up a lot of battery life. No, yes. back when back when I covered Android, I tracked it once on a Samsung Galaxy 9 or something. It was like four percent a day it's yeah, not a ex- lot of exactly life. totally worth it i will yeah. gladly give up four percent yeah uh, no, uh widgets i love their widgets i love that they've kind of standardized them a lot more than androids but when they did the new widgets and what is ios 13 or something they're non-interactive now they, they can only just open an app which is ridiculous because like the yeah. apple music widget on android has forward and rewind yeah. and pause buttons right. and it doesn't on ios <laughs> Again, they would want to limit it so that you don't accidentally like, just like you accidentally butt dial someone, you don't accidentally want to tap a widget and do something important. The framework would be limited to what you can do, but I think some interactive widgets would be nice. Roman, what's your wish? I would like to see some sort of call screening oh my God, on my yes. phone. Yes. <laughs> Another thing that's, that's, that's available on Pixel phones for a while now. I get at least 
three or four a week. A week? Oh my Having god! A day. Damn call. I have an hour. I get <laughs> yeah. I get three. Or- the other thing I want is screening with with uh, messages as well, because that's where I get bombarded with them. Mm. I get like three or four a day on, on, on of messages. And now we get the one where, like, it's sent to a group, and oh yeah, you can't block the sender now. So it's and you see everyone else's phone number, so it's more difficult. It's become more difficult to block that particular sender. So they're driving me crazy. Yeah. The phone, the call screen's not for me. isn't Isn't as bad as the text messaging. The, the messaging one is is getting out of hand. I don't um, get many spam messages it's weird i know it's an issue for some reason i know i get tons of calls though yeah for me it's flipped i i don't get as many I, like weird. i said three or four calls a week but i it's it's text messaging is insane and it goes through phases too like i'll go through six months where it's driving me crazy and then i'll go through three months where it's quieted down a lot and then it just ramps back up again since the since the pandemic it seems to have like tripled quadrupled even and i don't know if it's correlation or if it's just that i'm paying attention to it but i get so many mine's picked up a lot the last i would say two months uh, okay compared to what it used to be where i get at least four or five random spam calls a day about my car's extended warranty or whatever i've had to turn on the silence unknown callers feature which if you don't know where that is uh listeners open settings go to phone You'll see silence unknown callers there, and then you can open it and turn on turn on the toggle. And what that will do is calls will still come to your phone, but you won't hear it ring or vibrate or anything. It will just ring silently, essentially, and go to voicemail. It's, so it'll show up in your call log and stuff, and you'll get a little notification later saying you had a silenced call from this number. And it'll do that for anything that's not in your contacts or your things like recent outgoing calls or uh, text messages. So like, you know, if you contacted a repairman and then he calls you back, for example, that's going to come through because that was just a recent call you just made. It's good, but I don't want to have to do that. And it's not, it's not really filtering out <laughs> spam messages. It's just making them not ring and I still might miss something important. And yeah, well, that's the, the bigger fear is that I've done that and I miss calls because, like, it's a, there's a call you actually need that isn't in a number and isn't yeah. a recent call, and you miss it. Yeah, perhaps you emailed somebody and then they called you, right? And then so it's not coming, or like it's you not, called a service person and someone else called you back because it was a guy on a the road. Number. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's not an exact science. Yeah, then you have to rely on your voicemail and checking yeah. your voicemail, and it's yeah, it's not it's not great. Um, there are hooks in iOS for call filtering services. But they are basically call forwarding services. They're a pain to sign up to. So there's there are all these things. But what is ha- happening essentially is your calls are going somewhere else first. They're determining if it's a spam call, and then they're forwarding it on to your to your phone if it's not. Mm-hmm. It works, but you're doing this sort of call forwarding dance in the background, and it, turning it off is often a problem. You have to call all these like weird numbers with stars in them and stuff, and. <laughs> It's a pain, and I feel like Apple could provide that service the way that they do their private browsing stuff and everything. Like it could, they could do their own built-in spam filtering, call spam filtering service or something, or even make it on device would be amazing. 
it's gotten so out of control. I would love to see them do something with that. Obviously, you can block numbers, but that's a pain because most of these robocalls, they it's it's not the same number every time. Yeah, and they so come from get a it for a couple numbers. of days, and then it'll be a different one. So it's pointless. Yes. Yeah, what, it's whack a mole. That's never gonna. Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. But what what Google does with its call screen feature? There's two ver- There's two types of it. You can you can set, you can turn it on. Uh, and Google Assistant will literally answer your phone and ask the person on the other end, go, hi, this is Google Assistant. What what are you calling about? And that generally shuts it down. Like somebody will say, well, I don't want to deal with this. And they'll, and they'll, and they'll hang up. Or they'll yeah, say- they're a um, robot to begin with. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Most of the time, right, it's a robot is talking to a robot. So it just shuts down. Other times it'll say like, oh, um, I'm looking to talk to Michael about so-and-so. And Google Assistant will send you a, a message. that will say, hey, this person wants to talk to you about this. And then you can answer the, answer the call. Yeah. I don't know if Siri's capable of doing that, but that's the kind of thing that I would love to see on the iPhone. And you can set, um, you can set it to be manual so a call comes in and you hit the, the call screen button and it does it, or it'll, mm-hmm. it'll do it automatically for unknown numbers. So it's a, it's a neat feature and actually works. I haven't used it on the new pixel, but on the last year's one, it worked really well. And it's, you know, it's, it's just one of those areas where Google is way more advanced in AI stuff, but I feel like Siri could do like rudimentary stuff. Mm-hmm. And that would I mean, first of all, most people don't know the Pixel, and most people don't know that it exists. So Apple would be a hero because they, everyone would talk about it, and everyone yeah, would say, like "Wow, this new, is such like a great feature!" Yeah, but it would just be so useful and so helpful for mountain of calls that we get that are just garbage. You said there's another way they screen it. Well, manual or automatic. So oh, you I can either have it answer every time, or you can do it yourself. You can just the full call comes in, and you hit the button, and it, it'll although for, for me, that's that's just as much. I mean. If a call comes in and I interact with my phone, that's just as it's no different than me saying I don't know that number and hitting end, which is which yeah, what I do yeah, all it's the time. Essentially, the which same. sends it to yeah. voicemail, but the automatic thing would be nice. So yeah, I, I've started to rely on the um, silence unknown calls because they, they do come through to voicemail if they want to leave a voicemail, um, and it's just they've just gotten so out of control. I don't know what the answer is. Those call screening services do work. But they are, um, they're not trivial. I've gotten to a point now where I am fearful of calling businesses on my cell phone. So I actually use Google Voice now. And so that way they don't get my cell phone number. Mm-hmm. I've been more paranoid about my phone number being displayed when I make a phone call yeah. Yeah. Uh, to businesses and stuff. And so I turn to things like Google Voice. It's surprising that Apple doesn't have an Apple Voice feature i mean they do hide my email they have you know so like they're mindful of obviously of, of, of that stuff uh, i wonder if there's not something in the works that would be something similar to google voice for your phone do you guys have oh, uh, another feature that you're hoping for i, I got uh, one more i'm going to steal it from uh, jason's wish list uh bring back the battery percentage in the status bar please <laughs> yeah that'd be the, nice the, the rumor is that the iphone 14 at least the pro models will have less notch or no notch and less, you know, more space up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it would be so nice. They, they're not going to do it. All they're going to do is center the icons. So, <laughs> so it, you know, it just, it just floats differently. But it would be so nice if we got back to percent. I mean, it's a, it's a trivial thing. I get it. But looking at the thing and saying, oh, well, that's about 50%. And then seeing like 57% is so different. <laughs> 
actually even the ones that have the true depth sensor and stuff like that i would rather see some it, they have a fairly substantial size icon i feel like that icon could incorporate a number in some way <laughs> like a two-digit number you could make this happen like all right so right now i'm looking at my iphone i have a wi-fi sensor and uh uh whatever it is the cellular the, the, yeah. that sensor the wi-fi icon and the cellular icon. i don't yeah. i don't need both show me one like all I need right now is the, is the Wi-Fi indicator. Get rid of that and show me the thing. And when I'm outside, all I need is the well, the Wi-Fi one disappears outside. But you know, like so yeah, those change up. Like like there's your space right there, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I understand that they always want to show your how many bars you have, and then the other one changes. It's like, are you on Wi-Fi? Are you in airplane mode? Whatever. You yeah. know, those things uh, just like they don't just, even need more room. Is I guess is my argument. Like the, the battery icon they have could be it's, battery it's, with a well, number in it somehow yeah yeah, yeah. Like, that's a good point sure like <laughs> i just and it's it's always been an option it's always been something you go in and turn on mm-hmm. so just uh, yeah by default it won't and then let me go turn it on it's the littlest thing yes and like now you have to swipe down to get the control center to, to find it like it's, if you do the wrong swipe you don't even it's not it's not it's not it's not in the notification center yeah. it's only in the control center you'd be surprised <laughs> how many people talk to or help with their phone that don't seem to know a control center exists well yeah it's kind of hidden yeah it's very hidden it's deliberately hidden they tell you in the new phone setup experience when you're not importing from your old phone if you start fresh they kind Mm -hmm. of let you know but it's 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 vague and then you see it once you're just going next 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 get me Mm -hmm. my phone and then you just don't know it's there you don't know what it does you don't know you can customize it nothing my other wish uh is another small one it's for them to enable the same thing with two-factor authentication apps, the one-time code apps, as mm-hmm. they do with the text message thing. When you're signing into an app or a site, put your username and password, and if it sends you a two-factor authentication code via text, via SMS, the keyboard notification bar, like suggestions bar, says from the, the number. SMS and yeah. the number, and you just tap it. And you go. You don't have to hop out to your message app and back a, in. Which is an excellent feature. Also, it's, not an Apple original, if you will. It was <laughs> that's an Android thing, but it's great. Yeah, um, I don't remember. God, I don't even remember who did it first. I know that Apple jumped through a lot of hoops to actually make it, that. It might have been the Pixel that had it first. I don't remember either. But yeah, they had to do a bunch of special stuff to make that private to make it because it's communicating from your SMS to your to the keyboard, right? And it has to make sure that it can't be hijacked by other mm-hmm. apps and stuff. They, they went through a lot to make that happen. But the problem is that SMS is still not the best way to get your one-time codes. And if you have an app and there's a bunch of them out there, Google Authenticator or Authy or whatever, then uh, you have to hop over to the app and they all have an easy button you can tap to like you know, copy the code. And then you have to hop back and paste it or just remember six numbers or what. I just want that same thing with the apps. Just make a framework that yeah. let the apps can update their app to support sending like the encrypted number to the framework and then the keyboard will display it and yada yada. I mean, Apple has its own built-in authenticator in yeah. settings. At least use uh, that. Yep, in Keychain. Oh, it does. If So if you have iCloud Keychain set to make your own authentication uh, code, which you can go in and do, yep. you have to... Again, you're going to have to go in there and you're going to have to tap the add authentication key and all that stuff. 
But if you set that up, then you don't ever have to hop out. It, it'll autofill. Oh, okay. But o- that's only if you use iCloud Keychain. So that's only, you know, if you live on an iPhone, if you're in Safari, it works on the Mac, but again, only in Safari and you're reliant on that. You know, if you ever use other devices or have any other reason to have a third-party app, which people do, you're out of luck. So, like, I don't want all my codes only to be in iCloud Keychain. For one, I can't go look at them. It can only right. generate, it generates right. the code automatically for you when you need it, but there's no, like, go look at the code. And and the management for it is a little wonky if you have to change something. So yeah, that's my that's my hope. Just make a little framework to make the one-time code apps work just like the text message thing does. Another change I would like to see is more ability to change the default apps. Yeah. Like yeah. I want to I want to change my podcast app, and right now you can only do mail and a web browser. Were you supposed to be able to change music? Nope. There's no. they they did a thing where just with Siri specifically, it will sometimes ask you mm-hmm. what app you want to open it in if you asked it to play something, and you and you haven't used Apple Music for a while and you've used something else. If I ask Siri for um, directions somewhere, I should be able to choose to have it automatically do that in Google Maps, mm-hmm. not and not Apple Maps. And same with a calendar app or anything else. Like just, there's not anything else, but there's about five different things that are, and yeah, podcast and music is one of those. So when I, I would like to be able to say, you can do it now. If Overcast supports Siri, you like, they have a a framework, but you have to say, open the blank, open, you know, radio lab podcast in Overcast and then it'll right do it and i'm not gonna do why am i doing that every time if that's the app i always use yeah i think that's one of those things that we're not likely to see until a regulator somewhere in the world Mm -hmm. makes them and even then they're gonna not do it right and the regulator's gonna sue them like (laughs) every day until they're saying like i mean that's the big do the thing we said and then apple's gonna say yeah we did and (laughs) that's spotify's big gripe yeah i mean if apple does that that's that shuts down that whole lawsuit or I don't even know if it's a lawsuit, but that whole complaint. That's one of their complaints, yeah. That does it for this episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 788. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast in the podcast app on Spotify. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast and the podcast app on Spotify, on Amazon Music, or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time.